Welcome, members of the club, back to On Watching. I'm very excited. We are finally bringing the show back. We'd only done one of these before. We love doing it, so we had an excuse, so we're going to do it. And uh, for those of you who don't know, which you should because you're subscribed to our Patreon. It was only one episode, though. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was going to introduce myself, and I was like... Uh, Guys, this is Josh Kahn. It's Josh and CM. Yeah. Nice. Uh, We are without Ben for this first episode, but he'll hopefully be joining us for the rest of what we're doing. So here's what we're doing. We've decided that we've covered several Stephen King stories that have series and not miniseries or films. So this is a good opportunity for us to go back and watch full-length series of things we've covered and have been so excited to watch Lisey's story Ever since it was announced yep. that I, when we decided to do this, I was like, I want this to be first because the Apple Plus is knocking it out of the park with shows. Oh. And it's a, it was a Patreon selection yeah. to do the book. And I feel, part of me is like, I feel like we're giving something else to people <laughs> who pick that tier. So I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. A- a CM, you are going to lead us through our series discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, please take it away. Thanks, Josh. We should mention, if you guys have not listened to the Lisey episodes, check those out. I wish I knew what number episodes they were. <laughs> I'm not going to look it up. No. I'm not going to cut it in. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, we won't even leave it in the description. We, we, we refuse to take any accountability on this wow. one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought we were just steering all the way. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> it's so loose in this room without Ben. we're already when it's just me and josh (laughs) wait how come ben is the one who reigns us in (laughs) that is not a responsibility he should have (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) okay so lisey's story episode one bull hunt i'm mentioning the title because josh as you pointed out titles of this show might be important feel like they could be. Before we start talking about what happens in this, I want to take a minute to ask you, what are you most excited for to see come to life from the book, whether we saw that in this episode or it's to come? Awesome. Great question. I want to see the long boy so bad. I want to see the long boy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited about that. Um, I was also very, very excited to see Scott being shot at that at the um wow the well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> i mean such... i understand but what a thing to well, say <laughs> <laughs> well one i n- knew we were gonna get it in episode one because we get it at the top of the book mm-hmm. but it's such a it's a moment that is referenced through the entire book so it's so pivotal yeah that i wanted to know 
how much like love and attention it was going to get and how I was going to feel about it. And I feel like they fucking nailed it. I, not to jump to the end of this episode, but they <laughs> nailed everything. Yeah. There's, Is there something you're looking forward to? I was most excited to see Booyah Moon, which you see a little bit of mm. and we'll talk about later. And I wrote Dat Long Boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's continued to travel with us. Really? With Dairy Public Radio <laughs> and several other episodes <laughs> that now he's he's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> we we also kind of glimpse him, which we'll, we'll we'll get to. I want to save that. I man, if I don't know what I saw, I can't fathom what I saw, <laughs> which is what makes it perfect. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> so we open with Lisi. Oh, Josh, would you like to say who some of these oh my actors s- are <laughs> when we had not read the book when the casting and everything mm-hmm. was done. I believe we covered the book after the series had come out or it was, or it was, it was close, close to somewhere. That. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I wasn't familiar with the material when the casting came out. So I was like, all right, I cool. like Julianne Moore and, yeah. and Clive Owen. Um, who I always call Clive Barker, <laughs> which would be a <laughs> Dude, totally I different. I do too. I always think I I'm would still say- be good. Maybe so different. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I like both those actors. So finding out they were yeah. Scott and Lisi, I was like, all right, th- cool. it's going to be solid acted. And then after reading the book, knowing mm-hmm. what those two were both capable of, I was so excited to see them together. And that chemistry is awesome. I have to say the, oh my God, the Stephen King series adaptations are are hitting that level of, this is probably on my mind because we just covered the Green Mile. Of Green Mile yep. level stuff. Just brilliant. Really good. Like uh, Gerald's Game, which we haven't oh, covered. But God, really, I'm so that's... excited to cover that. So we open with Lisi. She is swimming and she's... I mentioned that she's swimming because normally that's like a fun thing you do. <laughs> she is grief swimming. <laughs> grief swimming. And I, I think that it's supposed to be like for the reader... Or, or if you go back and rewatch it, if you're not familiar with the source material, sort of like a parallel, yeah. you know, the stuff with the pool and Booyah Moon. I think that we get this very somber swimming scene. She is in a bathing suit and it is a, but it seems like she should be fully clothed <laughs> just because of her <laughs> demeanor. Yeah, it seems like she should be in a Victorian gown and yeah. floating amongst uh, the river sticks. It's a very... Uh, <laughs> death evocative kind of uh, flow. Yes, and it sets the tone for the episode that never lightens up. No, for a second from that, and I think is probably the tone for the, for the whole series. Here's what's great about the beginning of is that up until we find the spade, the first mm-hmm. bull piece, of the bull hunt. Every moment from the beginning till that point is a disjointed mess. It is scenes from different periods of their life with no through line to follow. It is just as chaotic as the beginning of the book where you are displaced in time. Yes, which I didn't realize until watching this. And I don't think you can get that same impression in the book as well. Or maybe I'm just dumb. It it feels like when you are grieving and you're doing okay for a second, maybe. And then boom, you're like hit with that mm-hmm. punch in the face 
of a memory or a moment or you just get blindsided essentially just those those surprising ways that grief continues to sneak up on you when you're in that cycle and having this start out so disjointed and cutting back and forth made me feel that in a way I didn't feel in the book it's so smart also that they treat they cut back to the pool over and over and over Mm -hmm. so you feel like that's the bookend but at the end of that sequence it cuts to her waking up on the couch Mm -hmm. so all like it's just that one extra disjointed jump that displaces you and i thought it was so pleasantly off-putting yeah because there there are other (laughs) dream scenes that seem real Mm -hmm. and then even afterwards i'm like oh that was a dream i think Again, and I think we had this reaction in the book, like, is she dreaming or is this actually I, happening? And I, I love that they pulled that off in mm-hmm. such a subtle way. It's so cool. Yeah. As she's in this pool, she is remembering the day that Scott got shot. And Josh, since that was what you were looking forward to, do you just want to describe how they handled this? Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, it's not the very first time we see it, but I think it, later on they show an aerial shot and the place where he's digging looks like a grave. Yep. <laughs> so I'm I'm wondering if that's because she's I'm wondering if that's a dream touch because I kn- who, because we don't, we don't know. know I know we don't yeah. know but it's so so cool it's Scott giving that the speech at the groundbreaking of the library and there's this one cut I pointed it out um, the CM you're taking a note so you missed it I'm sorry but it cuts to the crowd and it is just a very general crowd but because we've read the book we know he gets shot here mm-hmm. and so, so i was looking. looking for it <laughs> and i saw the guy it's he's just off center it's they didn't try to hide him but they didn't put a spotlight on him mm-hmm. which i thought was very smart because he's the only one who has this blank face solid squarely facing scott landon so you can just read it in the body yeah. language and then it goes to the gunshot, which, like you said, it looks like he gets shot in the head at first because I, that cut happens so fast. Yeah, I was making a note, which is my burden, unfortunately. <laughs> it's always hard to do that and watch something that I haven't seen already. Mm-hmm. But I I was like, oh, my gosh, he shot him in the head. And so my brain was already jumping ahead to like how this would change the story, how they're streamlining it. And I, I was like, OK, yeah, I get it. OK, cool. I, I can see where they would cut things then from that, mm-hmm. but then they, but then that's they not, yeah. And it still works. Yeah. It's, it's something you think like you're giving a grace, like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to do this. Nope. Oh, but they still <laughs> made it awesome. Oh, can I tell you my favorite part about this scene? Yes, please. It was when Lisi, she, cause she sees just like in the book, she tries to warn him and she has the shovel or she picks it up and uh, <laughs> it was brutal. She hits that guy in the face, and when his head turns back to the camera, he has the most gnarly gash, that, like right off yeah. his mouth into his cheek. It's wicked. Oh, uh, something that they did also that I think is so so smart. It goes back to you initially thinking I got shot in the head, mm-hmm. and it's because just like in the book. I I didn't even think about this problem until just now that it's a lot of repetition because we go back to the same thing so Mm -hmm. often. It's really funny that, well, not funny. It's just a really great choice that this very first time we see it, it's so fast Mm -hmm. and it's so out of context. You could easily draw that conclusion. And every time we see it, we see see it just a little more and from different angles. So they, they shot it. I can't imagine how many ways they shot yeah. this so they could oh they could make it a little different here and there. 
it you're uncovering the story as you're learning more about the characters mm-hmm. and their situation, which, yeah, I guess I didn't even think about doing it that way until you brought it up just now. It's really, really so hard to pull off. <laughs> it makes God. me feel like I've never done anything worthwhile in my life <laughs> when when we have when we just notice like really great choices in media and art like yeah. this. Well, and I'm such a pre-production whore. <laughs> and, and like anything we do, I'm all about the pre-production because yeah. I'm a control freak in, in that specific area. So when I see a decision like that, that had to have been made like early mm-hmm. on because of the shooting schedule to make sure they could yeah. cover all that makes me so That's happy. so complicated. Yes, it's so complicated <laughs> and it's so amazing. Oh my God, I just like squeaking inhaled because I was so excited. <laughs> And I can't cut it because you were talking. <laughs> okay, we get our first bull clue. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I was trying. I was like, bull. Oh, Scott's Secret Place has a dumb name. <laughs> dumb <laughs> That's name. right. <laughs> and I thought that the name I was remembering was my even dumber misremembering. <laughs> Josh, would you like to remind us what the name of this place is? Booyah Moon. Yes. I like it. I, I don't remember if I liked it I, when we read it initially, but it's grown on me since if it hasn't. Speaking of, might as well mention this now, we did suffer a little bit, probably me and Ben more so than you, but I think we're all like, uh, with the the marriage language yeah, stuff. Yeah, the and sister and- stuff. Yeah, things they call each other. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I also listened to the audiobook, so I did hear people speaking those phrases when you're doing an audiobook, you're I mean, you're putting act a lot of acting into it. Right. Not I'm not diminishing that at all, but you're not like you don't have time to sit in those moments because there needs to not be a bunch of dead space. Yeah. So to hear them come out in this format to like see actors deliver them, totally fine. So probable. Yeah. And I think that Maybe it was one of our listeners, I apologize if I can't remember your name. Yeah, I don't know. Who mentioned that we might deal with it better in the Mm. series, and they were right. So what is this first clue, Josh? It's the shovel. It's the groundbreaking shovel and face-breaking shovel. (laughs) (laughs) And it has just this little cute tag that says first bool. It just says bool. First clue. First clue. I said Dr. Mr. MD. Yeah. Which, is that? That's not... The wording from the book. Clue, no, is it? I don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's a different clue than the book. We'll have to look that up before we watch the next episodes. Oh yes, listeners, it has been a while yeah. <laughs> since we read and talk about talked about this book, which I think is nice because sometimes I feel like when we cover the adaptation immediately after, we've just gone through all the plot points with a fine tooth comb, and we don't feel like we can really sit with things as much. So this will be interesting. It's actually, it pays off in this episode, the time we've spent away from Lisey and mm-hmm. not going through uh, when we get to uh, Amanda later. Mm-hmm. I felt that really, really paid off yes. not going back and refreshing oh, ourselves. Oh, well, let's talk about Amanda because she calls Lisey and I'm just sitting watching this scene, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and this actress is, okay, I love the the director of photography i think is who would be in charge of this the lighting is so good like every shot is beautifully lit it's not so bright that there's no atmosphere and tension and i can see every single piece of the set that i don't <laughs> need to see and she's just sitting in this vast kitchen 
or dining room at a table by the window. And the only real light is from the window, but it's like backlight. So you can see her face, but there you don't feel like you can really see who she is. You feel how dark she feels. Yes. Yeah. And let's talk about this disturbing conversation because it's it's a normal conversation just about, you know, Charles getting married, but the way this actress is delivering everything in her body movements and the sound design. This is also performance-wise from audiobook to having Again, it's with an audiobook, you also run into the issue of usually it's one person doing every voice. Mm-hmm. So that's that leads to certain character choices. But having a character like Amanda, having it seeing it fully performed by an actress mm-hmm. is so much more intense than the book ever made me feel about Amanda's condition. Yes, it made it scarier. Yeah. Yes. Because she speaks so rationally the word choice mm-hmm. seems so <laughs> rational and so fine sorry i'm not laughing because it's funny but this is so inappropriate <laughs> when i'm really drunk yeah i get really like i'm like i am very intoxicated right now oh i know i've been <laughs> drunk around you it's a hundred percent true <laughs> you turn into you become an intellectual <laughs> God. but yeah it's the juxtaposition of the way she is physically and what we're seeing on screen and just how measured, calm, controlled, matter of fact, totally based in reality, what she's saying is, it, it just makes the scene so much more disturbing. And then the sound design in the series is great. There's there's an absence of sound in a couple of really cool shots. And then in this one especially, there's just this this roar of Something that makes you feel unsettled and afraid. Yeah. When she squeezes that cup Mm -hmm. and it shatters in her hands Mm -hmm. and you just hear that, like you were saying, the sound of her grinding the cup pieces in her hand. Mm -hmm. Because, and and this is, it goes more into it later, but since we're talking about it here, it is in this area that I feel like the time away was so helpful because in the book, I'd forgotten that when, because we get it all from just Lisi. Mm-hmm. So by the time she shows up, the situation's handled. So in the book, we never see everything we see in this episode. Yeah. And it is so much more powerful to see what Darla sees when she gets there. Mm-hmm. Which, and it's also awesome that we get more Darla. It played Jennifer, by Jason, Jennifer Lee. Jason Lee. Hell yeah. We last visited her in Dolores Claiborne. Mm-hmm. She played the daughter. Yeah, Lisi calls Darla and because they were all supposed to get brunch or something. They, uh, Darla was picking up food and they were meeting at Amanda's for mm-hmm. lunch. And they so they meet up at the house. And oh, they, I'm oh, so sorry. Yeah. Um, Amanda's house. Is that what you pictured? It's not at all what I pictured in the book. Oh, yeah. The the like it's like a in the middle of nowhere, in the farmhouse, of nowhere. huge front porch. Yeah, that is when I saw it, it felt right. Yeah, it was kind of like the front of it, at least, was what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't know why. I She struck it. me as a lady with a big old farmhouse. <laughs> I don't know why. It, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I forgot how insanely wealthy the Landons are. But I imagined like, like a modest home in a nice neighborhood. Mm. I imagined neighbors because yeah, of her this farmhouse does kind of feel like Something that would be in the family or something. Yeah. Doesn't feel it like really something does. you purchase for a sibling. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, huge farmhouse. Yeah. I immediately thought, you sit on that porch and you watch the tornadoes come. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this, you know, meeting of the three sisters. We see some some chemistry between Lisi and Darla primarily. And I feel like they I want to see more. Yeah. I, I remember in the book there was some kind of like Maybe it was with Darla. Like, eh, are these? Darla's barely there. Yeah. I think. So I, I think this is going to be cool because it seems like she's going to be in this more. You don't cast Jennifer Jason Lee and then not use You just Jennifer use her Jason for one Lee. episode. Yeah. Like, I, I'm really hoping this is a sign that we're getting a lot more sister stuff. Mm-hmm. So we then move on from that to Lisi getting approached by Professor. I couldn't remember his name, so I called him Professor Wank. Wank! <laughs> He yeah, I mean he is kind of a wank. He is pretty aggressive when Wait, it, do you remember it now? After the Jim Dooley's scene? Roger Wank. <laughs> Dashmore. Dashmore. Like you're hungry and you need to get food. I I had I had I have to oh forget God. every scene with that guy. <laughs> we'll, it, because he's we'll get to him. Yeah, we will get he's to so him. Upsetting. Which this is cool because Roger Wank sets us up to think that he's the biggest <laughs> pile of shit in this and he is not he is also so much more like overtly insulting to Lisi in this than he was in the book because I remember in the book you can tell that he's trying to be a normal human <laughs> but he's so blinded by what he feels like he is entitled to that he he seems unaware of how horrible he's being and not in an excusable way at all but just he seems like yeah i'm doing really good and he's just being a piece of shit and in this he's literally just a piece of shit having him show up instead of call is such a smart choice because if i don't know if i remember this correctly but i think a lot of what he said is verbatim from the book because i do remember that phone call with uh dashmore being like he got a little snippy and I, he said some shitty things. Well, he was at the house first and then there was a phone the call, very, right? In the yeah. book. And he was nicer at the house. Yeah. And then it was in the phone call he starts to slip. Mm-hmm. And I guess I when so I saw nice him, to, I wasn't prepared for him to just be like, You're just a slut who married a guy. Right. Basically. Say, getting him to say those things to her face is worse. But yeah. it, it also <laughs> leads to her backing into his car after she drives past him, which was Fuck, I love, I love Julianne Moore. It was so perfect. And she's such a great Lisey. That she drove away. Yeah. <laughs> stopped. And the, because of the way this is cut, because it kind of moves along quickly, I thought she stopped because she was further down the road and she was, man, I'm an idiot. She was going to cry. And I, I think that's what they want you to think. But yeah. they want to show you, no, Lisey's a badass. So instead of bursting into tears, she just rear ends or well with her rear <laughs> right hit the shit out of his car yeah she's got a bajillion dollars what's he gonna do sue yeah oh my <laughs> call my insurance that's why i want to be rich <laughs> all the fantasies i've had every time i drive about just ramming into somebody man, that's what, that's what <laughs> they say man uh if it's uh payable by fine it's legal for a price huh the world just opened for you i I feel like i forgot to mention on the way to amanda's house i don't know if this is important but it it shows some interesting instability that seems to run throughout these two families scott's and Lisey's. Mm -hmm. 
Lisi is driving and just slowly, with more and more force, banging her head against yeah, her that's side unsettling. Window. Yeah, I that I I kind of had that same thought. I wondered if that's to let us in on the fact that it's uh, familial. Yeah, or, or that there's like a there is a trauma that runs through this family, or that the the people who find this place are people who have mental health. Oh, yeah. That could be, too. Yeah. We get a brief phone call from Roger to Jim Dooley. Which, oh, my God. So uh, Jim Dooley is played by Dane DeHaan, who you may recognize as the creep in everything he's in. <laughs> uh, he um, Chronicle. I love that movie. Such a fucking good, so underrated, that movie. What was the one he's in where he's in an asylum? Kill Your Darlings. No, not like it's a. It has something. Oh, and he was water. Harry Osborn in the <gasps> oh, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man movies. The kid, Valerian, Tulip Fever, A Cure for Wellness. A Cure for Wellness. Thank you. God, he's been in so much. But anyway, he he's one of those actors that whenever I see him, I know I'm about to get unnerved and happy about it. That guy, so fucking could talented. never not play an unnerving <laughs> character. It's his. It's his face, and he—I don't mean that as an insult. He's kind of like cute in that creepy way. It's—he has kind of a—he uh, looks like somebody you would trust until he makes eye contact with you. He has such a great way to look like he has nothing going on behind the eyes. He looks so. like <laughs> a dark universe Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, like like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mind just no, went in all these hilarious. strange that's insane. places, and I'm into it. <laughs> But yeah, the second I heard his voice and it cut, there's just the shot of him. I was like, oh, it's that guy. No. Yeah. And then you think back, you think two moments in the book of what we know is going to happen. It's going to be so much more upsetting. Oh my God. Because it's not read by a woman <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, she yeah. did a great job. But so it's a very brief conversation. We'll get more of him later, though. Don't worry. So we get another flashback. We're going to have a lot of flashbacks. So time just means nothing. In. Yep. <laughs> To Scott and Amanda, because we're 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 at night and Lisey's asking Amanda, I know Scott helped you last time. Tell me how he helped you. Just tell me what to do. I'll I'll do it. I'll do anything. And then we cut to Scott and Amanda. Josh, I just described this scene. It's so amazing. I didn't I did not expect to get the answer to this question in episode one. Because I yeah. feel like in the book we don't get it till pretty close to the end that about where about them being yeah it unfolds more uh, at a slower pace yeah yeah well and i think maybe it it is going to be done a little differently so what happens is amanda is sitting in her catatonic state and you get the implication when scott walks in that he's asked everybody to leave so it's just the two of them and he starts talking to her about this place that he found when he was a kid and very soothing. And he starts slowly turning her body towards him. And then he leans in and he kisses her. And when he pulls away, a torrent of fully horizontal water is rushing from his throat to her throat. And even though I'd read this story and I should have known it was coming from him to her. <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was taking something from her at first or giving her something. It's such a yeah. weird scene. It's 
he's giving her a drink from the pool. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering. She wakes up. Yeah. And it's amazing. And he basically, it's from that point on that he immediately, she comes to and he starts telling her about the bull hunt. He's that, like, we got to talk about Lisi. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that, so we know that, f- that at least at that point, he's known about his own death and setting this up. Which, Aww. I mean, if you just watch the show, you don't know that. Yeah. But Man. Uh, it was cool to see that moment. I made a note. This isn't going to be funny now. <laughs> PTM, pool to mouth. <laughs> I was going to set it up that way. Still good. Still good. Still pays off. I What I like about this moment, what I think they might be changing mm. is in the book, Amanda has that conversation about Scott finding her at the pool and mm-hmm. they have that conversation together. I theorize that Amanda doesn't go to the pool until this time mm, because because okay. now she's had the water and maybe that like yeah so and that's almost something it puts else more Scott weight could do. on Lisi bringing her from the pool because her first visit there you think like you, you could see her getting stuck yeah and that's and we we see what in the book we see what she sees and why mm-hmm. she'd be so content to stay there and it's also I think Scott's way of keeping her safe because at least she's gone, but they know where she is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm throwing out yeah. theories because it, it's so, uh, I, lo- <laughs> I love these modern King series where they're showing you the things that are only referenced in the book. It's, it, that is how you add the content. That's how you add to the story. It's speaking of the, as we were watching this scene um, then with Amanda and Lisi, because so he gives her that, that we cut away after he's like, we have to talk about Lisi. And we are back with Lisi and Amanda in Amanda's bed. And Amanda's just sort of like just mumbling what could be nonsense. And she says, no one could disappear like Scott. And it's just so cool. because, And this is as she's telling her about the bull. And then she makes this offhand comment. Mm-hmm. It's so cool because it's all the exposition that, you know, like Lisi has told us that, but how do you do that on screen yeah. and giving it to Amanda in this like rambling? Cause you, if you didn't read the book, you could just dismiss that as her, you know, being weird or mm-hmm. like interpreting his death as him disappearing, which is fucked up. Right. Oh, I did not make a note that Amanda spoiled the first clue. <laughs> Cause she just tells her, she's like, She's it's like she's so excited, but she's so subdued. Like you can tell she's excited, but she's not expressing it. She's like, oh, <laughs> I know what the first one is because yeah. he told me it's the shovel. <laughs> but immediately following that with saying he said, you'll see it before you see it. Mm-hmm. And remembering to the beginning of the episode, that's the flashback she's thinking yeah. of before she even turns the corner and sees it. It's not seeing the shovel that triggers the memory. It's one after the other. Mm-hmm. It's so Awesome. Next, Lisi, I put quotes around this word, dreams. Yeah, quotes are the right. It's so funny because we we struggled with this. I remember in the book, like, <laughs> what's real? What's a dream? What's her traveling? Okay, Josh, holy fuck. What do you think about, we, we don't get a lot of it. It's so brief. Booyah Moon, what it looks like. Because she is at Booyah Moon for a moment. It, Man, <laughs> it's... Paint me a word picture. I can't. It looks like a sunset on an alien planet where it's it's this the outline of a tree and the setting sun and 
this open area and then it cuts. This is when it, there's like darkness and there's like a blue, the blue light moving through the it, darkness. It, it's like um, a searchlight or a, a light oh, from yeah, a lighthouse, which it, we find we see uh-huh. a lighthouse in their study later that yeah. has a moving light. Mm-hmm. It okay. I'm going to attempt to go with this idea I just had about how it makes me feel. Okay, it could be this could be a total bust. <laughs> you edit. Maybe this. you can help me. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm reflecting on. Booyah Moon, what it looks like, because mm-hmm. it's you can see things, you can tell she's in a strange place, but again, the lighting is such that you can't really make out a lot of detail. Yeah, it reminded me of being in the audience, looking up at a stage, and seeing the most like intricate and beautifully created stage like props to take the audience to like the forest or something just another place in lighting and it because it, it kind of had this false feel to it okay that, am i making do you know what i'm yeah. saying they're, like they're, it, it didn't look like cheap or handmade or like it was cardboard cutouts of things or fake stuff it looked very like a real place but it had that vibe of it's the uh there's a disconnect it, there's a a weird okay i'm going to try from the throw these words out and we'll see if they make sense it's sensory overload of nothing the, it's it's so full yeah yet it's so nondescript yes that it's it's mesmerizing there's yeah. there's something you're certain you can tell there's so much detail that you're searching in the detail for something, but there's but nothing there. Yeah, because it's there's uncanny so much detail. in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that, absolutely. That worked. <laughs> I'm sure there's a way more graceful and intelligent sounding <laughs> way for me to describe that, but I can't. <laughs> now we get a flashback to the hospital scene. The way this is done, too, is just so cool. She's walking down the hallway with the nurse, and I, I love watching something that we've read because I'm like anticipating what's going to happen and what it's going to look like (laughs) and the the exchange between her and the nurse. And you know, this we should say like we're skipping around stuff, but it follows the story and the dialogue follows, but she gets into the room and it's a huge hospital room. Scott is not in the bed and she hears running water and she goes into the bathroom and the sink is almost full with water. And so she turns it off. And then the sounds of the machines that Scott is supposed to be hooked up to kind of comes in a little louder now that the running water isn't there. And she walks back into the room slowly, like like she knows. <laughs> and he's in bed. And she looks down, and there are wet footprints leading back to his bed. I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't like footprints. Why so? It means that he walked past her. <laughs> Like, it, there, there's something, I mean, I get that there's a level of, of magic realism we're talking about here. I just, I wish, because in the book it was very much, uh, the nurse says, I walked in the room, nobody was in the bed, I did a 360, and by the time I turned around, he was suddenly mm-hmm. in bed with, I liked that there's no explanation, so that's why I didn't like the trail. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not. It didn't take anything away from me. It was just the one time I was like, oh, yeah. I know why you did it, but I wish you hadn't. I, I was forgetting. That is for book people. That would have <laughs> yeah. to be purely for book people. Well, I was forgetting the mechanics of how all of that worked. So mm-hmm. I, I, in my head, I was like, oh, you go there, and then he must not have been fully back yeah, he until he hit all the, the bed. Way in. Yeah. So that's why there are wet footprints yeah. or something. Or like those are coming through from the other world with him as he's 
he's not here yet until he gets to the bed. Right. Which, I don't know. Well, I mean, really, uh, what is it? Um, I don't remember. Somebody says it in this. I can't remember for if it's Jim or not. Basically saying something about the the power of imagination, created, mm-hmm. like creating worlds. And that's a lot of what the magical essence of Booyah Moon is. So any answer you can imagine yeah. is the right answer because that's the magic surrealism of Booyah Moon. What a cheater, Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, just, I do want to mention that uh, this is where we start getting... We talked about it in the book a lot, the repetition of phrases. This is the scene where we get Landon's or fast healers. Mm, That's yes, it, That gets yeah. really beaten in over and over. Because this is just after he's been shot. Yeah, and you <laughs> see that his hand looks all bruised mm-hmm. up, but there's not a hole in it. Right. So it's, yeah. You can't explain a hole healing in a couple. <laughs> anyway, we get another flashback. I don't even know if we came too present from this flashback? I don't think or if we, we did. went right in. Did we have the same discussion when we were covering the book? <laughs> I, in the, if I remember right, the book handled it pretty well. We okay. stayed pretty in place for the most part. Okay. <laughs> oh, I have. God, this is giving me PTSD. I think we did have trouble in the book because I have flashback dream. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Their wedding. And okay, this is. Scott, so she's walking on the beach and Scott's with her. And I thought it was a flashback to a time they were walking on the mm-hmm. beach. Yeah. But they're dressed in like winter clothes. He's like, he's wearing a trench coat and yeah. boots. I'm like, well, that's not very, that's not beach wear. But does that beach also look cold? Like it, the way the, the lighting they put yeah. on them and that, it looks like a cold beach. <laughs> For a minute, I was like, is this our beach? But it wasn't weird enough to be booyah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they're walking upon uh, some festivities and it is their wedding. So she's like dreaming, but also he's in the dream with her. But her dream is a flashback (laughs) to their wedding because that's how she's going to discover the clue. Josh, do you want to talk about this wedding? (laughs) I Man, I like the wedding flashback. It does another thing that I thought is really smart. It shows the father of the bride speech Mm. and the dad is drunk. And we get that hinted history in the book of the her family Not dysfunction. Yeah. So I like that there's the hints at mm-hmm. the overall dysfunction of the family there. And you get exposition here, which mm-hmm. is so natural because she and Scott are watching her flashback in her dream so they can talk about whatever yeah, they need to talk about to so tell great. us what's up. And what I th- it's so interesting to in the show. They obviously have to have the two of them together to have that dialogue where in the book, if I remember right, she basically says, I can't remember if it's she hears their voice, but knows it's not someone talking to her. Right. Yeah. It's like her version of Scott's voice in her head, but she knows it's her. It's not him. But then there's a point where she hears something that is not her version. Yeah. And so I I forgot about that. You have to have that. Uh, but I like that a little more. I like that it's yes, it's a yeah. Because it also there's no yeah. reason she might not dream about Scott being there with her. Okay, so I'm we got so sidetracked. The clue. It took me forever to figure out this fucking clue. Uh, so they they play the song. It, uh-huh. it it's not about the so the the clue. Uh, oh was, yeah, it, they it's a song 
about calling the doctor. Right. And I remember the name of the song. I didn't me either. But they... Uh, so I'm too young for the once. Jo- <laughs> the joke is that the dad at the end of his speech announces the first dance, which they just got done doing. <laughs> yep. And they just do- go into <laughs> another dance anyway. And they kept showing Amanda several times during the speeches and she was standing by herself holding her glass not looking relaxed not looking relaxed very tense but it's while that song is playing and they're all dancing having a good time that's the first time she starts kind of moving and like oh yes yeah, it's really subtle but okay. she starts like that song starts to kind of yeah. get her involved a little which is why the clue relates to to Amanda. Mm-hmm. That was what I was having a hard time figuring out is Got why it. does that clue take yeah. us to Amanda? Okay. And yeah, because I what I missed was that again, because I was making fucking notes. <laughs> it was not Lisey's address book. She found Dr. Albert's number with mm-hmm. the clue in. It was Amanda's. Yeah. Okay. No, that's great, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's they're so small, the it, details. Who directed this? I don't know. Not Frank Darabont, who's usually who I gush over. Uh, a Chilean filmmaker. Oh, Chilean filmmaker Pablo Lorraine. I don't know if I said I his think, last yeah, name I think, yeah, Lorraine right. is how I would pronounce it. I, I probably butchered it, but <laughs> I am not familiar with him. He's doing excellent. Though. Yeah, crushing <laughs> it. Great team, cast and crew. Okay, so we then, as she's finishing watching this, Scott kind of walks away and... We come to, she finds a clue. She. It's, it's also that he doesn't just vanish. He straight up exits. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's such, a, it's such a weird detail, but because of the weird dreaminess of it, the, to watch a character, a magical character practically exit. It was upsetting. So There's something weird. upsetting about it. It's it so makes weird. It, it makes it feel like something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Because he's not just like, boom, gone. It, it makes you feel like it's he's intelligent. That's Scott. Yes. It's not a dream. Yeah. Because a dream wouldn't just walk away. Yeah, you'd just be gone all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, so smart. We get out of this flashback dream and come into a nightmare. <laughs> Lisi wakes up and Amanda is not in bed and it's not time to be awake yet. <laughs> and so she leaves the room and in the hallway is, oh, I forget his name. The guy who shot her husband. Shoot. Anyway, yeah. whoever, Alex, we'll call him Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and he shoots Lizzy in the chest where we eventually saw that Scott got shot in another flashback. And she holds up her hand just like Scott did and he shoots her in the hand and then she wakes up into another nightmare, which is actually not a nightmare. But I called it one because when she actually gets up and Amanda's gone and she finds her, Amanda is sitting in her bathtub, just in her nightgown, being super creepy again. It's very um, unnerving, mm-hmm. but that's what, and and I missed what makes her go from that point to looking in her address book where I, I, some other connection makes her look at her address book. I was I'm making sure. a note. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's when she goes and she finds yeah. the doctor. What is his name? Dr. Al- Albert. Yeah. And calls him. And, oh, is that? No, wait. She, we skip to another scene. Jeez. Okay, yeah. This whole, the whole okay, show, um, it doesn't matter. It goes in a million <laughs> orders. <laughs> I'm so sorry, okay. CM. I got us so sidetracked. No, it's okay. It's There are a lot of flashbacks and dreams within <laughs> dreams, within flashbacks and dreams. Let's talk about the library, though. Okay, here we go. This <sighs> is my favorite scene in this pilot. It's the best. It's so scary. 
So it, Jim Dooley is sitting in the children's section of the library. Strike one. <laughs> he's, he's reading this book, and this uh, elderly librarian comes walking up, which seems like a very nice old lady. And in that like monotone, <laughs> creepy voice, he is talking to her about how, like, did you know this is Scott Landon? This was Scott Landon's favorite book when he was a kid. It's when- monotone, but it's very intense. Yeah, it's very... Somehow. Uh, you can tell the passion mm-hmm. in the okay, it's fanatic. Not, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's stern. It's a stern, not monotone. It's a stern yes, delivery. That's a great description because it is every word he says, you will hear it. Like that is the kind of delivery he's giving, and about how this is when we get the you know the power of imagination. This mm-hmm. was his favorite book, and he's like, you should get a a case for this book so all the kids every day can read it and it's get he gets more and more intense like and he stands up and he he asks about uh the landons and she tries to give credit to lisi and he like slams his fist down and like that bitch didn't do anything it's all from scott that's when she stops trying to have a normal conversation with Mm -hmm. this guy and that made it even more horrifying the way that librarian plays along is the exact. She thinks she's going to die. Yeah, it is. It's one of those moments that we all like. We're like, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, you just play do along until that crazy person and hope leaves. he doesn't kill you before he leaves. Yeah, and he probably will <laughs> when he like swipes off the entire top mm-hmm. of a counter just to place. And the book is Charlie the Choo Choo, which is fucking Perfect, the idea of yeah. Scott Landon reading that at four makes a lot of sense. I I didn't catch that at first because i was so distracted by <laughs> no his by his nails fingernails yeah and the, the tips of his Ooh, fingers they're gross it looks like okay i think i know what it is because we don't get it in this scene but i feel like when this pilot ends lisey's we end on her walking towards something and it's ominous i think it's the cat <gasps> oh, because his, his fingers blood look from- bloody <gasps> and swollen yeah that's what a yeah. detail wild they, yeah. yeah they really like he like jabs at it with his fingers the cover mm-hmm. of the book they really point out like that it's yeah. so gross but he eventually leaves he even like makes her throw like her hands in the air and say beam me up scotty she which she yes. fully commits to doing alongside him the actress playing this librarian i did such a good job that i thought she probably thought she really was gonna die <laughs> She's, she was fantastic it makes me so excited for the later Jim Dooley scenes. If this is where they're starting him oh, out, I'm man. so excited to see him. I'm not excited to see the scenes between right. Jim and Lisey, but I'm very excited to see him and Julianne Moore performing together mm-hmm. in those scenes. I bet it's going to be amazing. What a lucky guy to just play such a fucking <laughs> character, man. Let's talk about now the phone call that Lisi makes to Dr. Albert because it it's basically the scene from the books, mm-hmm. like no big deal, right? This is another one that made me feel more so than I had reading the impact of this phone call and just how, because she, as you can tell, she's just trying to keep her shit together. She's talking to this doctor and it, it just, you know, doesn't come through that way reading, even though it's amazing reading it. It it was so real for me in that moment, like how hard it must be to find like, okay, I got to call this number. I don't know what's happening. And then discover that Scott 
came to him was like three or five years ago, paid for everything. The guy was basically like, you called me and now everything is happening and it's all taken care of. You don't have to do I'm on top of it. Yeah. It's so, and like the, it's one of those things that you get from the book. The, uh, she mentions in the book, if I recall correctly, the fact that she hates that every phone call with someone new ends, begins with mm. condolences. And that's mm-hmm. exactly how this, and he even says, I do anything for my favorite writer and his widow. Ooh. It's like fucking A. That was awkward. She handles it very well, she but does. yeah. By screaming into a field. She handles it well <laughs> on the phone to him. Yeah. And then she screams in a field. <laughs> Which, that scene also, what a great way to represent how overwhelmed she is. She, something, imagine extracting all the emotions that have been happening this day, but w- imagine, you know, severe family crisis happens and then you come to find out it is all taken care of. Though normally any one of us would mm-hmm. feel such immense relief, but because this is yet again an, just another left turn on what has been nothing but left turns this day and since Scott died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that she's just, it's, <sighs> you feel her searching for a sense of control, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I did forgot. I thought about it as we were watching it, but when Roger Wank first <laughs> appears to her, she's trying to get to Amanda's. Like, I, mm-hmm. I forgot yeah. that that. Mm-hmm. So, like, then this phone call and then her in the field, just such a brutal day for Lisi. I just realized we bitch at Stephen King for coming up with like stupid names and stuff. And I'm really committing to calling him Roger Wank. (laughs) And it's just as bad, I think, as Booyah Moon probably. (laughs) So listeners, I apologize for being a hypocrite. At least you acknowledge your hypocrisy. (laughs) So we flashback very briefly to Under the Tree where Scott is starting to tell Lisi, like, probably should have told you this before we got married, but then you would have married me. Um, my family's crazy, and so <laughs> am I. We we don't really get a lot of that, but it's just setting that up, which is really nice. But we know what that conversation yeah. is. And it's just just <gasps> enticing enough that even if you don't, you're going to be like, ooh, what? Well, I just realized, again, this is purely for people who have read it, but throughout this episode, every time Scott talks about Booyah Moon, whether it's in like right when he gets shot and they're laying there or in that hospital room, uh, is he's always saying like, she says, where'd you go? And he says, you know, mm-hmm. because and then getting to see, oh, yeah, that's where she finds out all that time ago. That's where they took the trip. But it, watching it, you wouldn't know that yet. It just yeah. clicked for me that <laughs> we got to see the part that's been kind of secretly referenced all first episode. Yeah. <laughs> We get a brief scene of Amanda being lifted into the back of the hospital van to go. And then Lisi gets a call from Jim. This phone call. It's it's <laughs> as horrible as the book. Genuinely. Worse because we can see his face and just seeing a person deliver these words. <laughs> and the like. The guy's face has, I already forgot his name. It has so much character anyway Mm -hmm. that he doesn't really have to do anything except just not wear an expression and deliver (laughs) lines. And it is everything you want it to be. It's, it's severe. Mm -hmm. Everything is so severe. And And he, he delivers the line that just gave us 
mm-hmm. all the horrible chills, which was, I will, I will hurt, hurt you, you in places that you wouldn't let the boys touch at dances or at something. Junior high dances. <laughs> it's such a deeply personal, yeah. specific and graphic threat mm-hmm. in such a and simple... And it's a long threat. Yes, like, when When a threat is that detailed and long, yeah, mm-hmm. that person knows how to threaten. Right. Because they've, they've acted on those threats. That's what it tells you. Did you remember the go fuck yourself before it happened? Because I remembered just before it happened. <laughs> I misremembered that she just screams into the phone. Because she, that's why she's like, can you, can you hear me all right? And yeah. Because he leans in extra. Yeah, I, re- I did remember that. I remember the exchange <laughs> really well, actually, because yeah. he was so, I don't want to say it, polite. Yeah. <laughs> to her. Mm-hmm. And, and I, this, this actor, actor's choice for playing Jim, there's, there's kind of some just politeness, but not trying to be polite like he is in the book. It's more like he throws in a misses and it felt very natural coming from him. Yes. But he's clearly instantly more unhinged than he comes across initially. It's interesting. It's that it's that type of villain of I'm all I'm doing is telling you what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. How you decide to handle that is up to you. Mm -hmm. And that is such a chilling kind of because, you know, he's gonna hold up to it okay so he upsets us with this threat (laughs) and then we cut to him in his basement room or something and he's frantically stapling a picture of lisi to something else and and he's just stapling in her like on her face and head and i didn't understand why until he rips away the rest of the picture only leaving a very and this is going to sound silly describing it but only leaving a very, very stapled just her head on the background of whatever was mm-hmm. on the corkboard. And it, it's it's like he it's like we watched him violate her. Like he rips off her body and it's just her. I don't know why. It, it I is, wish I could describe why it's so upsetting. <laughs> it's like watching a serial killer's warm up ritual. Yeah. That is the energy. And then we watch his warm up ritual. <laughs> his aerobics. Holy shit! That's I, if you want to call it that, that it is nightmare aerobics hinged. Oh, the way he's just throwing his body around. It's reminiscent of Apocalypse Now, when Martin Sheen is in his hotel room, like actually drunk, and he's flipping out. It's like that, except instead of oh, this guy's sad, he's having a moment. This guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then. We oh like, oh sorry I have to point this out. He has a lot of Scott memorabilia, yeah, including a box that says that says "Cult of Scott Landon," and well, Josh, let's just say our favorite thing. He um in in this music montage, he there are several times he's recording himself with a digital camera, and there's a point where he's holding a life size cardboard cutout of Scott. Like it with his arm around him, like he's getting a selfie, and then he turns to like nuzzle and and like it's okay. very intimate. I have to amend; it is reminiscent of Apocalypse Now. If you marry that with the scene from Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> where he's listening to music and dancing, yeah. All right, yeah. there we go. Now yeah. we're there. Yeah, both both those things combined, that is the scene, you guys. <laughs> and then we're left with a that a very scenic. 
walk out to a horrified face and black. Oh, well, there's one thing before that. Yeah. The final one, well, in this episode, <laughs> of Scott getting of Scott getting shot, and it's that aerial view again. Yeah, and that's when I it really hit home for me that it looked like a grave that had just been freshly dug, and he's on the ground, and this is where we're getting him telling her, oh, I, "I can call it," and he opens his mouth, and this sound comes out, and we flash cut back to Booyah Moon. Not the same scenery somewhere else on the moon. And there is a thing in the distance, but far too close to us for comfort, <laughs> moving and making noises. And it's, oh, I love this. this is when I, at the top of the episode, when I mentioned like just how this show looks is really great. It's because it's like people complain lately. And I think movies are listening too much and they're making everything so bright. They're like, oh, it was dark. I couldn't see everything. No fucking shit. You don't have to see everything. <laughs> Let your imagination do some of the work. It is so much better. Mm. And it, this just balances that perfectly. You see enough to be upset by it. <laughs> and you don't see enough to be upset by what you can't see that you're imagining might be there. And That's it's perfect. So yeah. disturbing. And then, yeah, we finish with Lisi approaching something and i i think it's the cat that's I, my prediction I, for next episode because really we cut good idea. before we leave her face but she is clearly i'd unhappy. forgotten i'd forgotten all about the cat to be perfectly honest yeah, yeah. and oh. so when you said it it brought all the, the freezer stuff and <sighs> yeah oh boy <laughs> all right well that is that's it for episode one of lisey's story bull hunt uh so to let you guys know what we're thinking about when we're going forward, the aim is to do pilot and finales as their own. And from the middle episodes, we're going to pair them up just so that we uh, we can we can move it along. Mm-hmm. And so next episode of On Watching, we'll be watching episodes two and three of Lisey's Story if you want to watch along. Otherwise, prepare to be spoiled. And you can watch it on Apple TV yep, right Apple now. Plus. It's the only place. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ha, 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 ha.